Amen. That song's beautiful. And um, we were, uh, I like this song that we sang before that as well, because um, trust and obey is the only way. And it's funny because I was actually going to use that song uh, in the message, so now I don't have to. Thank you, Dean. (laughs) Dean's always good. He can count on Dean. But um, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that you you look down from heaven and you see this family here, Lord Jesus, as well as all the other families that are worshiping you and, and in church all around the world, Lord. And I know you're involved um, in your ministry, your great ministry of encouragement and direction and conviction or whatever it needs because you want to draw all men to you, Lord. So I just pray that it always is a prayer, Lord Jesus, that you move the speaker out of the way, Lord Jesus, and that you speak because you know what words need to be said. And I pray that you would open hearts and direct hearts where you know they need to be directed. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Now, I was thinking about... um, this today is, is questions. And the message is on questions. The message is dealing with the whole issue of the importance of asking questions. And I was thinking about that a little bit. And I was thinking, God has kind of made us in a certain way. And if you think about it, how many times do we really ask Questions. I mean, when I got up this morning, I asked the question, shall I walk or not walk? And I walked, but I asked the question first. Some of you have the luxury of asking a question, should I comb my hair this way or that way? (laughs) I don't have that luxury, and I'm not concerned about that. But that is a question, isn't it? Should I comb it to the back or the front or to the side? Should I wear this or that? Should I smell like this or that? It's a question, and we answer the question. And some of us dealt with a big question this morning after the breaking of bread because we went into a donut room, and there were bagels and there's donuts. And some people said, I choose a donut, and some people said, I choose a bagel, and some people said, I choose both. So that was a choice. So praise God that we can choose. And it's a question. And I was I've been gripped about this subject. And I had a couple titles, but I think the right title, because when you ask a question, you want to really the whole purpose of asking a question is to get the right answer. So the message is titled Right Thinking, the the key to Christian victory. Right thinking, because if you ask a question, you want to get the right answer or why ask the question. So we're going to talk about two different approaches or two different stories, and they're going to deal with choices responding to suffering and problems and trials and difficulties. And we're going to have three points today. One of the points is wrong thinking. Next point is right thinking. And the next point is our thinking. 
And Dean, you know, I, he would try to make something out of that, and I can't. It's just W-R-O. <laughs> Ro. So Dean is great on acronyms. I mean, he's the man. But I looked in a dictionary under R, W-R-O, and I didn't see anything. So I, I can't come up with that like Dean. He's so creative. So the two examples we're going to talk about are really designed to correct us, to encourage us, to direct us. Because I hope that we get encouraged by this. And, and you think about the Word of God. The Word of God, if we go to Romans 15, 4, God has a purpose in mind for His Word. And it says in 15, 4 of Romans, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. And I pray that we're taught today. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, and I pray that there is some encouragement that comes from reading the scriptures, that there's some direction that's given because of the scriptures. And it says that we might have hope. And I pray that that is the ultimate of, of the message, that we actually get hope out of it. Because we need hope. We all need hope. I heard a story and it was a doctor talking to a patient and he said to the patient, I have bad news and I have worse news. And the patient said, let's have it. And the bad news is that you only have 24 hours to live. And the patient said, I can't even imagine what could be worse than that. And the doctor says, I forgot to tell you yesterday. Now, some of you didn't get that. That's kind of scary. (laughs) And thank God we don't have that problem today. That what's said today, there can be a response today. Unless the Lord comes, of course, while I'm speaking up here, which would be beautiful. But point number one, wrong thinking in response to trials. And let's go to. Psalm 78. Wrong thinking in response to trials. Psalm 78, starting in verse 17, it says, But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the desert against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. And they spoke against God, saying, Question number one, can God spread a table in the desert? Next verse says, when he struck the rod, the rock, water gushed out and the streams flowed abundantly. Second question, but can he also give us food? Third question they ask, can he supply meat for his people? Three questions that were asked by the Israelites. Can God spread a table in the desert? Can he supply food? Can he supply meat for his people? I really think we should, there's a verse that we need to kind of clarify this passage with, and that's in Numbers chapter 11. We go to Numbers chapter 11, and I guess 
there's stuff all over. You know, this is technology is phenomenal. So you don't even have to go there. You can actually, you know, just watch and read. It says the rabble who were among them. This is Numbers chapter 11, verse four. The rabble who were among them had greedy desires. And also the sons of Israel wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we used to eat free in Egypt and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna. These are these people that we're talking about in the Psalms. Now, if we go to Numbers 21, verse 4, it kind of puts it in a little more perspective. It says, the people grew impatient, basically, just the end of chapter, verse 4, on their way, and they spoke against God and Moses, and they says, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. The manna from heaven. They were questioning. They had a question. And what was the question? Can God spread a table in the desert? Can he give us food? Can he supply meat for his people? We we can ask that question, too. You know that as Christians, we can murmur because that's what they were doing. Questions are not the problem. Because we get to ask questions and we'll discover that today, I think, more than maybe you've ever looked at it before, is the fact that questions are OK. They ask some key questions. Can God spread a table in the desert? Can he supply meat for us? And God, if we read further down, it says that God did supply. He supplied water. He supplied so much food that they didn't even know what to do with it. And they had the nerve to say to him, look at this detestable manna. What you've provided us, Lord, is truly not acceptable to us. We don't like it. We don't want it. Can we murmur like that? Let's think about that. What did they really do? What was really going on? They asked a question. They said, Lord, we need help. We need help. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We need help. And God provided food. And they said, well, we don't want this food that you're providing. Can we do that? We can do that. Let's think about it. We can say to God, I need this. I want that. This is my need. This is my situation. And God provides for that situation. And we can actually look and murmur and say, well, that's not good enough. That's not what I expected. That's not what I want. Can you really provide? Not just a table in the desert, but can you provide the meal that I want you to provide, Lord, in the desert? When I want you to provide it. I want a five-course meal. Where's the steak? Where's the potatoes? Where's the broccoli? Where's the onions? Where's all this? And, you know, isn't it crazy that they said we ate so good? And Well, am I missing something? Because if I go back to Exodus, it says during the long period of time, and you don't have to go there, it's it's chapter 3, 23 in Exodus. It says during the long period of time, the king of Egypt cried 
And the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and cried for help because of their slavery. And it went up to God and God heard the groanings and remembered his covenant. That doesn't sound like some people who were eating really well. It says they cried out to God, save us, help us. They groaned. They were in misery. But here it says, well, we're no, we don't like this food you're giving us because we ate better in Egypt. We had a better life in Egypt. Do you see the questions? Do you understand the question we can ask sometimes? We can actually, if we're not careful, say we kind of had a little better life when I was unsaved. I kind of got to do a little bit more of what I wanted to do. It was a little easier. It was a little more comfortable. I was a little happier. That's what they were saying to me when I interpret that. There's nothing except this manna. I don't like what you're giving me, Lord. I want something different. We ate great in a previous life. It was wonderful what we ate. Boy, we had steaks and onions. I mean, they made it seem like they were sitting on the beach. And the Lord was just providing some of the Egyptians were giving them all this food. And the Lord was just blessing them tremendously. But it doesn't sound like a people who were groaning. But it says they groaned in their misery. And God rescued them. And he took them out. And he rescued them. He took them through the Red Sea. And now they're at the getting ready to go into the promised land. And they're groaning. We don't want this manna. We don't want this life you've given us. They were murmuring. Do we murmur? What's God providing for you and me today? What is he giving you? What is he giving me? Am I murmuring? Am I saying I don't like this banquet you're preparing for me? I don't like what you're giving me. The question is, God, can you supply a table in the desert? Can you give me food? But I think that's not really what we're really asking. I think we're really saying, can you provide what I really want to eat? Can you provide what I really want? Can you give me what I want? Can you give me the life I want? Can you provide for me what I want? Not what you want, not what you know I need. But give me what I want, Lord, or I'm not happy. I'm going to groan. Can't we do that? It convicts my heart to think about me doing that. But I can do it, and you can do it too. Think about it. I was reading something, and I got it over the email from Spurgeon on uh, the morning and evening. It says there are murmurs among Christians right now. They're in the camp of Israel of old, just like them. There are those who, when the rod falls, cry out against the affliction. They ask, why am I in this affliction? What have I done to be chastened in this manner? A word of, a word, and he goes on and says, a word with thee, O murmurer. Why should thou murmur against the dispensations of the heavenly Father? Can he treat thee more hardly than thou deservest? Consider that. Consider what a rebel you once were. Consider what I used to be. But he has pardoned thee. Surely if he in his wisdom sees fit now to chasten thee, thou should not complain. After all, art thou smitten as heartily as the sins deserve? Are you getting what you really deserve because of our sins? Are we getting it? Consider the corruption that's in thy breast, and wilt thou wonder that there needs so much of a rod to fetch it out? 
Weigh thyself and discern how much dross is mingled with thy gold, and how does thou think the fire too hot to purge it away is available. Do not the proud, rebellious spirit of thine prove that thy heart is not thoroughly sanctified? Are not those murmuring words contrary to the holy, submissive nature of God's children? If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. Murmur not as some of them also murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. We don't have the right to murmur, do we? But we do. We murmur. We say, I am not satisfied with this. I don't deserve this. This is not right. What you provided on the table is not right for me. Now, the good thing is, is a second response to the trial. Second story. And the good thing about the second story is you don't really have to do much movement. It's on the other side of the page for some people's Bible. This is Psalm 77. So we talked about the murmurers. They asked a question, can God do this? Can God do that? And their heart was definitely off. They were off because they challenged God. They didn't believe God. They challenged him. Says, can he do this? The heart was different with their question. We can ask a question like that or we can ask a question more submissively, more humbly. And I think when we look at the other chapter, chapter 27, 77, we see a different heart here. But he's asking questions as well. It's not the question. And John Yvette kind of touched it when she did her song. She sang it well. Pray on. And listen to this writer. 77. Psalm 77, verse 1 says, I cried out to the Lord for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night. I stretched out my untiring hands and my soul refused to be comforted. This man is saying, I'm troubled. I'm burdened. I'm in bad shape. I'm not doing well. But like John of song, it says he prayed on. And I like, there was one verse that she read, I mean, saying it was, when your questions go unanswered. When your questions go unanswered, pray on. Look at the writer. I cried out to God for help. Now, this wasn't a person in minor help need. Because, look, I cried out for the God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out my untiring hands. My soul refused to be comforted. Have we been in a place where our soul refused to be comforted? where we sat there at night and we could not be comforted. We were so distressed that we could not be comforted, even though he sought the Lord, which was good. He couldn't be comforted. He didn't feel the comfort. He says, I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. He says, I groaned. In his spirit, he groaned. He was in agony. He was in pain. 
I mused and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. He says, at night, I could not sleep. The pain was so much. It was so intense. I literally sat there in the bed and I couldn't sleep. Why? Because I was troubled. I was burdened. I was in pain. I questioned. I couldn't figure it out. And I was overwhelmed with grief where I could not sleep. Now, that's agony. And he said, I thought about former years, years long ago. I remember the songs, and I remember the song in the night. I had the song. I had it in my hand. I saw you, Lord. I saw you. I felt your presence. I knew what it was like to have the peace. I knew what it was like to have the joy. I knew it. I had it. I had the song, and it slipped out of my hand because I don't have the song anymore. I'm singing a different song now, and it's a song of misery and pain and suffering and agony and hopelessness. I don't know what to do. I'm crying out to you, Lord, please help me. What's going on? Will the Lord reject forever? And he starts questioning now. But it was different questions when he asked the question. It wasn't like he was looking at God and saying, you don't know what you're doing. I don't like how you're doing it. It was like he was sitting there saying, God, will you reject forever? And I think he asked like that. He says, something's not right here. Are you the God that would reject? His first question. Second question, he says, will he ever show his favor again? Has the unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. That was the secret of this man. I like what Spurgeon said about this. He says, has God forgotten to be gracious? Can God forget anything? When this man asked those questions, it was different. It was from a man who was asking questions, and he was actually saying to the Lord, this doesn't make sense. You're not a God that rejects. You're not a God that forgets. You're not a God that fails. You're not a God that forgets to be be merciful. How could I ask that question? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Could God forget anything? Could he forget you and me? Would he forget me and you? How could he? How could he forget when he looks down and he sees our condition and he sees the misery and he sees the hopelessness and the plight How can he forget he hasn't forgotten? He's never forgotten. That's why he sent his son Christ. How could he forget us now if he sent his son Christ to die for our sins? Why would he forget us now 
when he never has in the past. He does not forget to be merciful. And this man got it. He got it because if you look at the next verse, it says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. He got it. Something happened. The light bulb turned on. You know how we get it sometimes? We're thinking of something and we just all of a sudden, I, I, I got it. It comes to mind. It's like, that's what happened to this man. He was asking the questions, but he wasn't asking the questions like the Israelites. It was a different way of asking questions. He was not asking them and in God's face saying, who are you to do this to me? Why did you do this? Why, 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 Lord? He was sitting there humbly begging and pleading the Lord. Why, Lord? What's going on? What's happening? He went to the sanctuary, the sanctuary to get his his um, truth. To discover what was happening, he went to God. And then look at the memory. There's two memories here. One remembered the onions and all the stuff they thought they had in Egypt. That's where their memory kicked in. Not him. When his memory came back to him, he remembered God. We need to remember God today. What he did, what he does, who he is, what he is. He is merciful and he will never forget to be gracious. He will never forget to be merciful. He can't forget to be merciful. Look at who we are and we are so undeserving and look at what he's given us. Look at the life he's given us. Remember like this man. He remembered, but he spent time with the Lord and he asked questions and we can ask questions. I remember and I remember clearly, very, very clearly walking around at Toyota. I remember it so clear walking around on the lot because of everything falling apart a few years ago, crying like a baby. I remember that. And I remember asking the Lord why. I don't understand. But I wasn't putting my fingers up at him. I wasn't saying to him, Lord, why are you doing this to me? I was saying, Lord, I don't understand what you want me to do. I don't understand, Lord, please. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Crying like a baby. Like a baby. Over and over and over. And it didn't just go away. It lasted a long time. Because that was God's plan. And I remember walking with Adel one day. And there's no mystery. There's no magic to to the light bulb coming on. This man, you don't see all the time he spent on his knees. You don't see all the time he spent in council. You don't see all the time he spent begging the Lord. It could have been years. It could have been months. It could have been days. But sometime when we if we go to the sanctuary and we get on our knees before our God and we beg and plead with him to show us the truth, he will open up our minds to see the truth of who he is and what we are and what we need to do and that we need to keep our faith in him. And I remember talking to Adel one day we walked and we were just talking and he said, you just just trust God, Ron, just trust him. What? Was that something magical? Just trust God? Well, when he said that, it was like I felt like the man who was the prodigal son. Because the next day or two days later, I'm walking on the lot. And it's like I came to my right mind. I came to my senses. 
I said to the Lord, I don't need to know anymore, Lord, what you're doing. I don't need to see the banquet table. I don't need to pick the course of meals that you're going to provide. I don't need to know. I'm just going to trust you, Lord Jesus. I don't need to know anymore. Whatever you do, do it. I trust you. And something happened. Can God prepare a table in the desert? Definitely. What about our thinking today? Where are you? Where am I? Where am I? Where are we today? You know the key point of this? We can focus on the wrong thing here, but I'd like you to just kind of focus on the right thing. I saw, read this one writer that says, to realize the worth of the anchor, we need to fill the storm. To realize the worth of the anchor, we need to feel the storm. And another writer says, God brings men and women into deep waters, not to drown them, but to cleanse them. And another one, which is beautiful, it says, in, in adversity, we usually want God to do the removing job when he wants to do an improving job. And I read this story about this family. And the dad invested wrongly. And he made a mistake. And he wasted all his money. And he came home to the family. And they were like, what's going on? I'm ruined. It's over. I've lost it all. And one of his sons piped up, Dad, you haven't lost it all. You still have me. And another daughter just piped up. She says, but, and you have me running and putting her arms around him. You have me too, Dad. It's not over. And then Mom, she's got to get into the game here. She's got to be an encourager too because we're all encouragers. We can encourage. And she said, don't worry. You have your health, Eddie. It's okay. You have your God. She went on further because she's got the juice. She's the mom. You got God. You got God's promises. And then grandmother, she's like, yeah, I'm in the game too. She says, and he's a good God too. He's not just a God. He's a good God. And we got heaven to go to. And Jesus came here to fetch us, to take us there. Where's he now? He was doing this, and then this, and then this. And all of a sudden, he's on his face because he got it. The light bulb clicked on. Can God provide a meal in the desert? Yes, he can. He can do that. He realized there was a banquet. He's looking at his hand thinking, like, I lost this. I'm like, God, I lost this. And it was like, you got this, though. What do you mean you lost this? They reminded him. And I think we should be reminded in our trials right now, that we can question, and it's okay. We can ask questions, 
But who are you going to to ask the questions to? Go to the sanctuary. Get on our knees and go to the Lord Jesus. Do not go to the world for your answers. Go to the scriptures. Go to counsel. We have the greatest counsel in the world. And I'm partial to that and biased, but may the Lord forgive me for that. But I am because I believe it after 18 years. I believe it. I've seen it and I've done it and I know it. So what are we going to do when the trial comes? It's okay to question. It's okay to say, Lord, I don't understand. I'm confused. That's okay. But the important thing is to come to the right conclusion, isn't it? And this man came to the right conclusion. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I'll remember who God is, and that's enough for me. The answer to this message is not that God's going to prepare a blanket for you. It's not that God's going to do this for you, because I don't know what he's going to do for you. But I do know that he brings us into deep waters not to drown us, but to cleanse us. I do know that he wants to, us to submit so that he can cure us. I do know that God is willing to prepare a table for us, but he might start with just appetizers. He just might give us some appetizers, some little, little teasers. So instead of us giving instead of him giving us what we think we deserve, what we think we want, what we think we need. When we pray to him, we go to the sanctuary and say, Lord, I pray to you and I need you. I need you know this situation I'm in. You know the pain. You know what I need. But I'm not going to just wrap it around and say, this is what I want you to prepare for me. And say, this is what I think is best, Lord Jesus. Give me this or give me nothing or I won't trust you. No, may it never be, as Paul says. May it never be that we pray that way. May it be that we evolve in our prayers to where we ask the Lord and we question and we question and we question. And then we say to the Lord in the end, whatever your will is, may your will be done. If you think I deserve an appetizer for 10 years, just give me just a little bit of morsels from the table and just give me the scraps if that's what will create in me the character you want me to be. Let's stop putting God in a box and say he's the God that's like the Santa Claus of gods where he's going to provide all these great things for us. No, we should be asking him, provide for me what I need for your work to be done in me, for your character to be developed in me. For me to be the man or the woman I need to be so I can go out in the world and do what you want me to do, not what I want to do. So let's ask questions. But let's come to the right conclusion. Let's not say to God, I don't like what you've prepared for me. I don't like the life you've given me. He's not worthy of that. He's worthy of 100% trust, faith, obedience. Like it says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. And we'll close with Bill Murray's story. I think it was like two and a half years, right, Brother Bill? He was praying for, you know, the judgment of the medical and the um, Social Security. 
He could have said, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's been six months. I'm tired. I don't like what you've prepared for me. This table was not acceptable to me. Eight months, I'm done. You're not worthy. You can't be trusted. You said you promised me you would come through. You promised me you'd do this. Nine months, I gave you nine. Eight was enough, but I gave you nine, Lord. Why didn't you come through? Year and a half, two years. All he did was just say, Lord, I pray. I put it in your hands. I trust you. And you fast forward the film and you see two years, two and a half years later, and God says, here it is. I've already been planning. I've been packaging it. I've been working on it, and I've been working on you, and I've been working on a church. I've been showing the church that I am faithful, that I come through. I bless those. I honor those that honor me. I'm showing the church you have to wait for me sometimes. It doesn't just happen. And God can prepare a table in the desert. Because I'm going to tell you something. My boss came to me Friday and asked me for the totals for all the Internet people. It's five of us. He said, send me the totals. I want to know what you guys have done for the year. And I looked at them before I took them up to him, and I was staggered. Because out of the five, I was shining. But I didn't have 10% more production than them. 20% would be really good. Bill will tell you in sales, 20% is really good. 30% is really, really, really good. 50 would be like... Died and went to heaven. 60 would be staggering. 70 would be unbelievable. 80 would be just whatever. 90 would be unbelievable. I can't even describe it. It was 100% more production. And that's by the grace of God. He provided a table in the desert for Coop. Because that was his will. And I can't say I deserve anything. God knew when to provide it, but he did. And he can for us in his time, in his way, by his will. Lord Jesus, we need to pray, Lord. So, Lord, we just we come to you and we just. We are concerned. We have questions at times, Lord Jesus. Maybe there's somebody in here that has questions about how they can get to know you. And that would be beautiful. Maybe you've just kind of encouraged somebody just through this message to want to know you, Lord Jesus, to want to come and have and to be part of the family of God. And I pray for them this morning that they would make a decision today and say, yes, I do want to be part of the family of God. I need to to recant my sins and to ask for forgiveness and to come to you and ask for you to come into their hearts. And if they want to do that today, be bold today and go to somebody today. Come to Adel. Come to Bill. Sylvia, come to somebody today and say, today, I want to get saved. And, Lord Jesus, for us, Lord Jesus, keep us close to you. Keep keep us humble. Keep us at your feet. Keep us in the sanctuary. Keep us in your word. Keep us under your wing. Direct our hearts where you want them to be directed. Give us what you know we need. Develop us the way you want to develop us. And encourage us to be men and women who truly love you and give our lives fully to you. And we just ask this in your name. Amen.